Good morning, everybody. Excellent. I don't have to repeat that today. Woohoo! All right. So uh, at this point, if I can get some of the deacons uh, to go ahead and pass out, there's some cards on the back. I don't know if they've been grabbed yet or not. Uh, and just kind of hand them out to everybody. Um, so this is our memory verse for this week. As you know, we've been going through Romans chapter 8, and each week we've been giving out a different memory verse. In order to help with that, we've gone ahead and made these little cards. And um, the nice part is I actually want to also go ahead and direct everybody's attention to the back of the card, where you will see a nice little QR code for Bless Every Home. Now, last year, we had a goal of praying for our neighbors 10,000 times. Now, while we came close, we did not actually reach it. Though, of course, we also did not start off right in the beginning of the year. So this year, we are resetting our goal. And we're going to, again, aim for that 10,000 prayer goal. But personally, I say, let's try and beat it. Let's not just meet it. Let's go well past it. So... Uh, to help out with that, remember that we also have our blessing board outside uh, where our prayer cross is. So if you have someone in your life you're praying for, especially if you're praying for them to receive Christ into their lives, go ahead and put their name in there so our prayer leader and everyone that joins him on Sunday mornings can be praying together for them. After all, when two or more are gathered in our Lord's name, we know that he is listening and he answers. Also, please remember to put your beads in the jar if you have a gospel conversation or a discipleship conversation with someone. Let's try and fill that thing up this year. Also, please share with us any God stories that you have. Now, with that being said, we are going to go ahead and... Hold on a second. Hi, uh, this is Jason from Crosswinds. How can I assure you today? Uh, yes, I, I hear you. Uh, real quick, do you have the, the Full Grace Jesus package? Ah, excellent. Okay, uh, what do you want to know? Hmm. Okay, yes. Yes, you are indeed covered for that. Uh, yes, that too. Okay, that's a new one for me, but yes, you are covered. Yes, yes. Okay, yes, you are very welcome, and I hope you have a blessed, assured day. Whew. Sometimes people just need a little assurance in their lives about God's love, right? So anyway, hold on, man, today's a busy day. Okay, gosh, so sorry. Uh, hi, this is Jason from Crosswinds. How can I assure you today? Yes, uh-huh. Uh I'm sorry, really quick. Do you have the full Grace Jesus package? You don't. Okay, there may be some... No, no, you are, you are not covered for that. Yes, yes, I see all the good things you've done. But no, no, you are not covered. Yes, I'm aware that is a rather small thing to not be covered for, but... Okay, sir, I'm going to put you on mute. I think there's something you may need to hear. Well, looks like today is going to be a rather interesting sermon. You see, out there right now, there's someone struggling over the issue of whether they are... Whether they're a loved one or not, or they're a friend, whether or not they will be going heaven. Today, I want to assure 
every person out there that there is an afterlife. Not only that, but there is a path to heaven. And it's actually the most simple thing to get onto that path. Once you're on it, there is no coming off. However, there's so many out there that think it's a hard path. The thing, though, is that if you're not on that path to heaven, there are no other paths but the path to hell. The world may deceive you, trying to tell you that not only are there multiple paths to heaven, but there's also multiple paths that lead to other places and not to hell, such as reincarnation, purgatory, or any other number of afterlives that are out there. Now, this may seem like a harsh thing to say, you know, the classic line of, if you aren't going to heaven, you're going to hell. However, sometimes the most classic and old things are the most long-lasting and truthful. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you, but that saying is simple and true. And it's also a saying that I want to, ev- that I want to say to everyone who hears this out of the most loving part of my heart. You see, hell is like a bus that is barreling down the street uncontrollably. It's indiscriminate on those that it hits. And there is no stopping it, no matter how many people get in front of it and are hit in a row. So how much would I have to hate someone to not try and warn people to get out of the street and to just walk by them and wait for them to be hit. So again, from the most deep, deepest and most loving part of my heart, I tell you, if you are not on the path to heaven, you are on the path to hell. Now some people will say that hell doesn't exist. So the street is safe to stand in because there's no bus coming. The thing is, that's the most dangerous argument to make. The Old Testament mentions hell in the Bible by name 65 times in the Old Testament and another 23 times by name in the New Testament. And this doesn't even count all of the times that hell is alluded to, such as when people say, you will die, there's an everlasting death, or anything like that. If I was to include that, then I can't even tell you the amount of times hell would be mentioned. Sorry, it took me an entire year to read through the Bible. I didn't have the time to read through it again for this sermon. However, you can see on the screen here, these are just a few prominent places where hell is either mentioned by name or alluded to. Oh, and I kept Revelation out of this list because it would probably double the number of chapters that I could easily find. Now, why am I telling you all of these facts? Isn't this whole sermon series about assurance supposed to be uplifting? Well, yes and no. As one of your friendly neighborhood assurance administrators, I'd be doing a disservice to you by not assuring you of everything God says. So let's go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and buckle up. As God said to Job before rebuking him, Gird your loins, a.k.a. put a cup on, because this is going to hurt a little. 
Verses 12 and 13 in Romans 8 tell us the following. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, my grandmother used to have a saying. In order to truly know something, you've got to know it forwards, backwards, and inside out. And I tried to look up the origin of that idiom, and no matter what I did, I could not find the actual origin. So I am actually quoting my grandmother on this. (laughs) So today, we are going to go over these two verses, forwards, backwards, and inside out. Now, Paul starts these verses with very plain speech. We are debtors. That's right. From the moment of your birth, you are in debt. And I can already assure you, it doesn't matter how long you live or how good of a person you are, you cannot pay this debt off. It is down to the lake of fire where your soul will be destroyed during the final judgment for you. So how in the world can we pay this off if we cannot pay off our debt? Well, we must turn to the one who paid his life for our sakes. About 2,000 years ago, the biggest miracle of all happened. I'm not talking about crying statues or a mass group of people getting healed or even a man feeding 5,000 people with seven loaves of bread and two fish and having 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards. I'm talking about something that Buddha, Muhammad, the Dalai Lama, and Confucius could only hope they could ever do. The miracle I'm talking about happened just outside of Jerusalem, when a man by the name of Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, walking with us on the earth, gave himself up as a sacrifice and defeated death and the devil forever. And he gives us freely of his own grace and mercy the gift of eternal life. The price, believing in him and the sacrifice he made and following him in your life. Now, the reason you can even trust in him that he has all this power is the second part of this miracle in which three days after he was crucified, when bodies were known to be decaying, destroyed, and putrefied, Jesus walked out of the grave with a fresh and fully restored body. Then instead of dying a second time on earth, he ascended into heaven to live forever. And he still moves upon the earth in many ways and talks with us in so many different ways. And again, you just have that cost of believing in his crucifixion, forgiveness, and the raising from the grave. That's a pretty low cost if you ask me. Eternal security in heaven and being pulled away from my path to hell just for believing in him. Don't believe me? That's how Paul just ended all of this with verse 13. When Paul says, you will live, he is talking about heaven. If you want to put to death the deeds of your body, you've got to do it by the Spirit. And that means putting your faith in Jesus. So how in the world are we so sure of all of this? Well, 
Now we got to go backwards to figure all of this out. But not just from reading verses 13 to 12. We're going back a little further. Now, who here remembers the memory verse from last week? Anybody? Give you a hint. It's Romans 8, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 6. Shout it out if you know it. Okay, we're going to go back, backwards, right? Read, go over these memory verses. I'll give you a hint here. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You see, the Holy Spirit is who will, who will give our lives life and peace when we set our minds on the path that Jesus wants us to live in our lives. How? Well, again, here comes more memory verses. Who remembers the very first one? Hint, it's Romans 8, uh, verse 1. I know a couple people knew it. Shout it out if you know it. Here we go. What is it? Absolutely. Beautiful. For those who were unable to hear, that is, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's right. Those who set their mind on the spirit and the ways of Jesus Christ are given peace because they will never experience condemnation. Isn't it just so beautiful? That is true eternal salvation. Now let's look at verse 13, then verse 12 here for a second. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So if we read our back verses backwards here, God actually reveals something so incredibly cool. If you go and set your mind on the spirit and put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Why? Because we are debtors to the flesh, and it's the only way to get rid of that debt. Now, I am not one to... Uh, promote always reading the Bible in reverse order. It just happens to work here. So instead of us reading that we are so far in debt that we can't get out and there is death waiting for us, we read it in just a slightly different way and we get the same message just revealed deeper. That our debt of our flesh leads to death. But the Spirit puts our flesh to death thus releasing us from our debt that we could never hope to pay. I just love how the Bible can work like that in this particular instance. God has put so much in the Bible that our minds have truly only begun to comprehend. They actually say that the human mind can fit two petabytes, a.k.a. 2,000 terabytes worth of information in it. But God is infinite. So how could we ever hope to put infinite into any size container? That is why we can always have things revealed to us through the Bible. And now all of this does bring up a rather interesting point. If we give Jesus our lives and we begin to walk with him, what happens when we sin? Do we become indebted to the flesh again? Do we lose our right to go to heaven? Absolutely not. In Matthew chapter 4, 
Jesus is fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. Now, Jesus is hungry, he's thirsty, possibly exhausted, and so the devil comes up to him in what the devil believes is a moment of weakness for Jesus. Now, Jesus does what none of us would be able to do without God's help. He remained patient with the devil and does not get angry. He does not sin, nor does he fall into that temptation. It's because God, and therefore Jesus, is older than the devil and wiser and knows all of the devil's tricks. After all, it's the very first words of the Bible, right? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, for the rest of us, we are more than likely less than 100 years old. If we go just by creation of the earth, then the devil either has 5,900 plus years of experience over us, according to the new earth belief, or 4.6 billion years of experience over us, according to old earth. Now, doesn't matter which one you subscribe to. The point is, the devil has learned to be patient. And every single time, we need to remember to turn to God in our weakness to avoid sinning. And unfortunately, in our imperfection, that means we need to essentially be lucky every single time we go out into our lives and every time we are tempted. The devil, however, he just needs to be lucky once. He is very, very patient. Jesus experienced the devil's temptation and in bigger ways than we ever could. So he knows our struggle. And Jesus does not condemn us if we sin as Christians. Now that doesn't mean we don't need to turn back to Christ and to repent. But it does mean that Jesus will continue to forgive us. Now, this next little bit, there's a bit of a content warning. For anyone who is triggered by self-harm or topics that go a little further than that, because we're going to discuss a sin that many Christians struggle with when it comes to if someone who has committed it is a Christian, or as a Christian, can enter heaven or not. And that sin is suicide. Now, with many sins, we commit them, and we have the chance to repent afterwards we turn back to Christ. That's not necessarily so with suicide. So if someone commits it, Christians struggle with if a person can enter heaven or not. And I tell you, the answer is quite simple in one way. If that person never had Christ in their life, then no. No, they will not. However, if that person did have Christ in their lives and they proclaimed Jesus as Lord and Savior in their life, then I look at the words that Jesus said in John 8, verses 34 through 36. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Every last one of us starts as a slave to sin in our lives. Hence why we are in debt. But when we accept Jesus into our lives, he sets us free. We're no longer slaves, like it says in, that, in those verses. Once we're free, 
we can remain in the house forever. Instead, we become a son or a daughter of God. Now, Jesus says it clear himself. The son remains forever. You will be free indeed. Galatians chapter 4 further cements this in verses 3 through 7. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. A son is an heir because they are free indeed. So yes, it is very possible for even a person who has committed suicide and in life can no longer repent for that sin to enter heaven because Jesus himself paid the debt for us on the cross. You have true and eternal security. It's not just a membership to a club where the head of that club can revoke your membership. No, your name is forever ingrained into the book of life. Let's get back to Romans here as we start to really dissect this from the inside out. Pay careful attention to these words that Paul gives us here inside of verse 13. They've been bolded throughout on this PowerPoint. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It is not from yourself that you can get out of your debt. Now, I'm going to shatter some people's realities in a minute here, but Paul gives us a key to our only hope. It is by the Spirit that we are freed. Everyone in chat, go ahead and and put that in there. And everyone here, I want you to repeat that with me. Ready? By the Spirit. Now, seriously, this is really important. So one more time, really say it with feeling. Ready? By the Spirit. There you go. Right now, Too many people believe that if you are a good person, that you can enter into heaven. That is a lie. Because you can't just be a good person. If you are a good, uh, more importantly, it is actually the biggest lie that the devil himself has spread. You see, the devil, he has absolutely no problem with you being a good person. Rather, What his goal is, and always has been, is to pull you away from Jesus. He has no problem with you being a good person because realistically, what is a good person? Now, can anyone here tell me what you have to do to be, to truly be a good person? Now, before anybody raises their hand to answer, let me have you consider something. Doing the right thing is not the same thing as being a good person. If you lie to someone, you have sinned. That's pretty easy to understand. But if you tell the truth, that is merely doing the right thing. Telling the truth does not make you a good person. just means you aren't being bad. You aren't sinning. Now, parents, I think you all know this better than anyone. So who here has kids? I can't raise my hand. I don't actually have kids. 
quite a number of you. Okay, so awesome. Parents, think about this for a second. If you go and tell your kids to go clean their rooms and they do it, are they doing good, obeying, or being bad? Obeying. Yes, exactly. They're just obeying. Or think of this another way. If you're driving and you're in the right-hand lane going the speed limit, are you doing good or are you just following the rules of the road? We're just following the rules. We're not actually doing good. Y'all not doing bad and obeying the laws and rules, it's not the same as doing good. So what does the Bible actually say about this? Well, Romans 3.23 tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then in Romans 6.23, it tells us this, for if the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So even the Bible tells us that it is impossible to be a good person and get into heaven that way. In fact, nowhere in the Bible does it say, if you are a good person who does not believe in Jesus Christ, you will go to heaven. Not once. God would not lie to us. But what was that phrase that we all just said aloud? By the Spirit. And that is what the free gift of God is. He gave us his Son so that all who would believe in him would not die, but have eternal life. That is what the, by the Spirit means. Giving our faith and our lives into Jesus' hands so that he can not only clear our debt and give us eternal life, but also he will transform our lives, giving us peace and eternal security in his loving arms. Now, if you are unsure right now of where you're going when you die, then right now it is your time to turn to him. He is calling for you right now, pleading with you to accept him into your life and place all of your trust in him. I promise you, when you do, there will not be a question of where you are going after that. I know this because in my life, I had that moment. I felt that assurance from him immediately. I remember getting in my car after accepting Christ into my life and I was driving home and I just looked up to heaven and my grandmother, may she rest in peace, was somebody who was always a follower of Christ. So I knew she was in heaven. And I looked up and I told my grandmother, I will see you again. I knew from that moment on, I was going to heaven. And I have never felt any of that revoked. Not even once. That is the power of Christ. It is up to you, though, to be the one to accept him into your life because you cannot do this without him. Without accepting that Jesus died for you on the cross, that he wiped away your debt, and that he is truly your Lord and your Savior, then I will be the one to assure you of this. Not only will you forever wonder where you are going to end up, 
But if you were to die today, right this second, without accepting him, you will be in hell. Christ, however, has made our path to heaven easy by accepting him into your life. There are those out there who would tell you that the path of heaven is hard to get on, and they are wrong. The devil himself tries to tell you that unless you are a good person, that you can't walk on the path. But Jesus says, come to me as you are, and I will make you a person who is worthy of this path. The devil puts in the way barricades, trying to say that unless you have proven yourself a follower of Jesus through a long history of actions and sinlessness, that you can't get on the path because only those who the Lord knows may enter into heaven. But Jesus responds to that by saying, yes, I must know you. So come onto this path right now so that we can get to know each other as we walk together. Jesus calls out to every single person today to come to him. So go ahead, everyone right now, close your eyes and bow your heads. Today, if you are feeling that Jesus is calling out to you and you are ready to make that commitment to him, and become a son or daughter of God. I just want you to either raise your hand or open your eyes and look up to me. Whatever you feel is most comfortable to you. Thank you so much. Today, you are a child of God if you've made that commitment. I encourage you to pray to God and just tell him in your own words how thankful you are to him for freeing you from your debt. As the lights go down and the band plays, if you want guidance on how to pray to God or want to proclaim your faith with someone, then me and Pastor Ken will be up here and I know God will smile upon you. For Luke 15 says, Just so, I tell you there is joy before the angels of God 